This is Bonjour Chai, the Hillels are alive with the sound of David's wedding music edition. I'm Avi Feingold in Montreal, and I'm here with Alana Zakon in Montreal and David Sklar in Calgary. We are your Frozen Chosen. On today's show, Hillel Montreal says they're back, but for many, their absence was problematic. We speak to students to find out the story of what they've been up to. But first, David, you got a wedding coming up. I do. I think, what, 10 days from today? Uh, you tell us. You're asking us. <laughs> Is it 10 days from now, David? <laughs> I have to check on like wedding wire to see how many days are, it counts down itself. So that's how I know it's exactly 10 days. That's helpful. How are you feeling? Uh, weddings uh, are the bane of my existence. Well, good thing hopefully you only have one of them. Hopefully. Oh, we yeah, hope. Here, let's hopefully indeed. There's nothing more, in, more unenjoyable than prepping for a wedding. I keep hearing that, I have to say, from a lot of people that I've seen get married recently, that it's a lot of stress. And I've been informed by many to have a small wedding when I get married one day. I would encourage that. I would say just, you know, go and get eloped somewhere down in Vegas, have a, ma a rabbi marry you down there rather than going through this whole rigmarole. And you know what? I partially blame Avi for this because Whoa. I was in Montreal several weeks ago and I went to get a suit at Simon's and I thought this is a lovely, lovely suit. And I showed a photo to Avi and Avi said, no, 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 no. You cannot get a wedding suit at Simon's. And he said, you have to go to Samuelson in Montreal. Um, so I said, fine, I'm going to go to Samuelson. I did this whole other thing. Uh, it's a beautiful suit, mind you. But now it turns out John likes the first suit from Simon. So we are now going to wear matching suits, nearly identical matching suits at the wedding. And uh, we were even going to wear matching ties. But I said, I put a stop to that. I said, we cannot have matching ties and matching suits at the same time. So we're going to try to tweak the tie so wait, wh business. Wh what's, what's happening to the lovely Samuelson suit now? I'm wearing oh. it. Oh, so he's also the same Samuelson suit? He's going to wear the original Simon suit, which just happens to look almost identical to the Samuelson suit. Oh, he's wearing oh. the suit you no, but, didn't But pick. it'll look far less impressive next to well, the Samuelson suit. This is why I decided sure. to wear the Samuelson suit myself. <laughs> it's a beautiful suit. <laughs> Avi just wants you to stand out. You have to take the glow. Send pics. I, I think that the weddings have become overly complicated by wedding planners. I'm going to hear now from the wedding planner industrial complex. Anyways, uh, yeah, I don't know. I think that things are complicated and they don't have to be. And I think that they should uh, get married, have fun. I think you can do a, a plan a great wedding in two months or less. If you ask me. I, I would really agree. I think less is more. Uh, we didn't have a wedding planner at all. I'm doing most of the cutting and the printing, and it's sort of landed on me to like do all the prep work uh, to get everything on time yeah. and arranged. I have a I have a crazy prep work story like that, that, that it was on my shoulders. One of the things that I was in charge of taking care of was the photography because I uh, care a lot about pictures and I care about photography. And so I was told that this guy is the best Jewish wedding photographer in the tri-state area. And I called this guy up and... Uh, uh, I, we start talking. That's wonderful. Mazel tov. When's the wedding date? Um, I gave him the date, uh, June 18th. And he uh, says, beautiful. And where will the kids be living? And I was like, what? I was like, what are you talking about? He goes, yeah, the bride and groom. Where are they going to be living after the wedding? Um, I was like, I'm the groom. And what difference does it make where I'm going to be living? <laughs> It affects, it affects everything. So he first tells me that I'm the first groom that he's ever spoken to. Um, wow. that it's the parents and usually the mother that takes care of mother of the bride that takes care of everything. And it's really, 
interesting and different that I'm the groom and I'm taking care of certain things. Um, and then he tells me that the way he takes pictures or something is different depending on where they live because if they live in Williamsburg, New York, which is really Hasidic, they might have certain types of pictures where if they live in the five towns, which is very religious, but also very, very wealthy, they have different styles of photos or whatever. And like that alters the way that the wedding goes. And I was like, listen, dude, that's not our thing. Just come take beautiful pictures and give them to me and we're done. Um, anyways, good luck on that. We are going to miss you next week. Uh, oh, David's going to be deep in wedding preparations and so he will not be with us next week. Um, but good luck, Mazel Tov, uh, on behalf of all of us and uh, we hope to see you uh, on the other side once you are wed. Hopefully I'll survive. Hopefully. So um, we got to talk about this mural. Um, this mural, Bruhaha Mishigas, that lasted all of 24 hours or so um, in Toronto. For those of you who don't know, um, there was a mural in a place called Tarragon Village, which I didn't even know existed in downtown Toronto. Uh, and we'll post a picture of it on the show page. Uh, and a Toronto city councillor, um, Mr. Matlow, wrote on Twitter that one of the people in the mural was depicted in a way that, quote unquote, far too closely reflects hateful anti-Semitic tropes. And uh, the mural was repainted within 24 hours and it seems to have uh, died down. I mean, there was a, like people had complained about it. There was this and that. It was intense on Twitter for 24 hours and that's it. Um, David, first, can you give us a description of this mural? I'm going to try. I think I've only taken one visual art class, so you're going to have to bear with me as, a, as I give this description. So, I mean, it looks like in the background, it's a cityscape with some, you know, reddish buildings. But right to my left is a black man who is basically sewing some garments, almost like the schmata business. Right to his immediate uh, right, I think, is a woman in a wheelchair. Closer to the, you know, right in front of us on the right-hand side, we have someone who could appear to be male or female, but with really like aqua or, or turquoise dyed hair. And then just in the background, then the real issue is this individual gentleman. Uh, a gentleman maybe in their 40s to 50s, slightly hunched over, possibly appears with a claw-like arm. I see a, a skull cap right over their head. And as they're lifting with their claw-like arm, it looks like they're trying to lift one of the buildings up and maybe kick out the tenants like an evil landlord. So this is what I see in this mural image. This is what's going on. It could be just as much the opposite, right? This person is placing buildings down and letting residents have spaces to live in low-cost houses. That was the only job he could <laughs> this, find. <laughs> this is what's going on in my mind in the difference between tenants and landlords when i first saw this come up i feel like i have like a what's that group called everything jewish toronto like trigger reaction where i'm like oh there they go again just complaining mm -hmm. about things and blowing things out of proportion mm -hmm. um but upon reflection i have a good analogy for this it's something i've been thinking about recently it has to do with the halacha of shabbat and how okay. we're going into this. <clears throat> this is our my early wisdom. He's rubbing off our on you. early word of wisdom this week is brought to us by Alana Zakon. <laughs> well, it was a topic that came up um, around my, my Shabbos table last week around the, the certain halachot that exist merely so that other people don't misunderstand what you're doing. For example, why some people won't use an umbrella on Shabbat or not even on Shabbat, but will walk in, not walk into, let's say, a McDonald's, even if they're just going to use the bathroom, because someone from the outside might look at them and be like, oh, I thought that person was religious, and then get a misinformed idea. And mm -hmm. it made me think about, no matter what the intention of uh, the artist or the people who produce this mural, someone walking by might just look at it and think, this looks like Nazi propaganda, or, oh, I've never met a Jew before, and that looks like what media told me. 
and have that. I don't know. Okay, so let me know if you think this colors your uh, perception, no pun intended, of the uh, mural and its resulting uh, brouhaha slash michigas. I don't know which one to use uh, better than that. So I'm not sure if you're aware, but the person in question that was painted there is a real person. Not only that, but he was the landlord of the space in which the mural was painted on. And it oh, is... Oh, so I was right. The evil landlord hold on. then. Hold on. No, 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 no. No. This, 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 this person, a certain Mr. Werner, uh, endorsed the, the, the mural enthusiastically, thought that it was a great representation of how Orthodox people have contributed to the multicultural landscape of Toronto. And on top of that, that is actually what he looks like. Fair. So, How did he react to all the people saying this looks like Nazi propaganda? I don't know. I did not ask him. Okay. Um, I, uh, whatever. But like, I mean, to me, what's going on here, right? So anything that looks remotely Jewish, but like veers in, how do we decide this is too Jewish looking versus not Jewish looking enough? I, I was like, what happens in real life now, right? Because this is where my mind goes, right? So if somebody looks too Jewish or looks like a caricature of a um, something anti-Semitic, and he happens to be born looking like that, do we say, listen, um, Marat Ayn, which is the principle that Alana was talking about, about things which appear, whatever, we don't want you to be walking down the street and Jews might think that you, or non-Jews might think, oh my God, this is anti-Semitism, right? This is what Jews look like and they're horrible. And and, and he'll never be able to like pick up a, a $20 bill that he dropped on the street because it'll look like he's grabbing his claw and grabbing all the money off from the, from the world, right? Do we say that this person maybe has to have plastic surgery? Like, I don't think that we say mm-hmm. that. We, we People look like people, and and we have to sort sort of accept that that's what it is. Do we have do we have stereotypes about the the black individual that looked too African American or too African Canadian, as as the case may be? Do we say that this is this is not fair that this person looks like this, and this is a uh, an, an anti black stereotype that he is you know working and hunched over a sewing machine or something like that? What, what's going on here? Well, this just made me think about um, the new Borat movie, which I have not seen. But I listened to Unorthodox talk about it, and they went into great detail about the scene and played a clip where he dresses as, like, a very caricature, propaganda-looking Jew and goes up to, like, these two old ladies. And it just made me think about that. I don't know if either of you saw the Borat movie. Did, did... By new, you mean a year and a half yeah, old or two like years old? Yeah, like the most recent okay. one. Not new as in came out today, <laughs> okay. Avi. <laughs> okay. Um... I was like, wait, what? There's a new movie? But I feel like just to to add to the discussion, what do you think about something like that where he went and put on that whole look, which maybe some people actually look like that? Probably not from what I heard. It sounds like he really went into the grotesque. But is that something that we should be saying is totally okay? I mean, Sasha Baron Cohen can do no wrong by me. I've loved everything he's done since the early days of Ali G. Um, And... If we're going to talk about this mural, I think the problem is so people got offended and then all of a sudden, you know, they changed it. So now what does it look like right now? It's a little it's a young man. It's a teenager with no Jewish visibility at all. I mean, that's almost like you can't win in this case, right? There's just a total erasure of Jewish culture. You tried with the Jew. He looked too Jewy. And now all of a sudden it's just a random teenage boy. Can we ever win? I, I think that this is the, the problem with the outrage cycle. Um, of like people needing to find something to be mad about all the time and looking for hatred where hatred might not actually exist. Amen. Okay, well, enough of this mural. Um, I'm not outraged. I'm only outraged at the outrage. And uh, let's move on to our main topic. Okay. 
Today's episode is brought to you by our sponsor, Atelier Lou Bijouterie in Montreal, Quebec. Atelier Lou specializes in watches and custom-designed jewelry along with a curated selection of designer jewelry. Visit us online or in person and Eric Goldberg will help make your jewelry dreams come true. Atelier Lou is offering a promo code for all Bonjour High listeners using BON18 at checkout for 10% off your order at atelierlou.com. On July 7th, Hillel Montreal made a story from their Instagram account that said, please share this post and let everyone know that we're back. While this was in reference to the Instagram account itself, it echoed something I had been looking into, the disappearance of Hillel from campus life in Montreal. I've been speaking to current and former students as well as former staff members who have been telling me that Hillel Montreal has been operating as a shadow of its former self. Since becoming absorbed into Federation CJA as part of GenMTL in 2016, Hillel went from being a non-stop action hub on campus with programs running every single night to having students quitting Hillel committees in frustration because they couldn't get on a budget approved for something as simple as a lunch and learn. Staff had to split their time between Federation CJA's West End campus and the downtown Hillel building, which meant students saw less and less of them. Eventually, there were fewer and fewer staff members at all, which meant the students themselves were shouldering more of the burden. As I heard from one international student, out-of-town students were very involved with Hillel because it was their Jewish community, but that Federation's priorities were to retain Montrealers, so if you weren't a Montrealer, you weren't a priority. The other thing I kept hearing was that Hillel essentially had become a place for Israel activism, to the exclusion of everything else. Now let me be clear, countering hate on campus is a very important part of contemporary Jewish student life, but it shouldn't come at the expense of everything else. And what happens when much of your Israel activism is funded by right-wing sources such as the Maccabee Task Force, which was started by Sheldon Adelson? I kept hearing that if you didn't buy into this form of Israel activism, there was no longer a place for you at Hillel. If Hillel is back, then we felt it was important for people to know what it was back from, and hopefully to spur them to be better than before. But enough for me. Earlier this week, I had a chance to speak with three students, Avishai Infeld, a fourth-year student in political science and Jewish studies, Roe Wine going into his fifth year studying software engineering, and David Mickelson going into his fourth year in political science and marketing. Let's hear what they have to say. So I'm here with uh, Avishai Infeld, Roe Wine, and David Mickelson. Uh, Avishai Infeld is originally from Vancouver. He's a, uh, going into his fourth year in political science and Jewish studies. Roe is uh, originally from Edmonton. Uh, he is studying software engineering. He's going into his fifth year, and he joins us actually from Tel Aviv right now. And uh, David Mickelson is also from Vancouver. He's going into his fourth year in political science and marketing. Avishai, Roe, David, welcome to Bonjour Chai. Thank you for having us. So I've been sort of following this uh, story off and on passively for the past little while. I'm a former Hillel person uh, from 20 years ago. You know, I'm, I'm an old man right now, but uh, back in the day, I was really involved in Hillel. I was always at, on Stanley at the at Hillel House. And, um, you know, I started hearing reports that Hillel wasn't what it used to be, especially once um, the shift happened towards uh, centralizing Hillel into Gen MTL and making it part of Federation. Uh, and, you know, a couple weeks ago, I think it was, or last week, I saw uh, a Instagram story about how Hillel is back. And that's really what spurred me to try to get this all together and, and, and go what happened. If Hillel is back, it means that it went away at some point. And that's really the story that I'm trying to follow here. Um, you guys have experiences. Uh, Avishai, why don't you tell us of what it means for Hillel to have not been around uh, for the past little while? Sure. So I think, you know, every, especially over the past few years, Every organization in any doing all sorts of things, whether it's Jewish life on campus or really all many different, you know, different areas, um, has had a hard time doing all sorts of things for obvious reasons. Uh, with the pandemic, it's been very hard to do things in person, which especially for university students, you know, you just 
you can't really have a, a very full university experience online. It doesn't work so well. Though I, I think with Hillel, you know, people um, people have felt that there just hasn't been as much going on. The the quality, or maybe not not the quality, but you know, the amount of especially a Jewish life related things has just not been at what it should be. What do you, do you guys have experiences? Have you heard from other Hillels what you expect to see from uh, a well at your average well-rounded Hillel? Uh, what types of programs do you think normal average Hillels run? And where do you think uh, Hillel Montreal might've been or Hillel McGill, Hillel Concordia? Where do you think that that uh, may have not, you know, reached to that expectation? Are there any examples that you can think of? Yeah. I mean, if you look at a lot of other Hillels, I think they have a much more well-rounded program happening. They, you know, they serve their students in a, a wider variety of ways, um, and they're generally the the dominant Jewish group on campus. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, you know, they're considered the major player. They also have a very uh, generally like a, a more pluralistic outlook. Yes, you can not not that we're not not the Hillel Montreal is not pluralistic, but just because they're a bigger entity with a bigger footprint. They're able to offer, you know, their programming and things going on to a, a greater variety of students looking for different things. If I asked you, uh, Roe or David, um, what uh, the average Hillel program looked like over the past year, right? How many programs were they running? What types of, uh, what type of year did they have? Can you think of some examples of events that they ran um, and events that you wish that they had run, but uh, you didn't necessarily see on the program? Uh, yeah, so I can answer at least for part of that. Um, a lot of events that they had were uh, Shabbat related. So sometimes they would have uh, Shabbat dinner. Sometimes they'd have a Havdalah. Uh, I personally joined a lot of the Havdalahs more recently, and they were very nice. Uh, there were also some Israel events uh, to promote maybe the, like Lila Levan or something like that, that uh, were also somewhat regular. Or maybe there was. Um, a holiday of some sort. Uh, those those were sort of the main events that at least that I, I attended and I was aware of. Uh, and I think that they were becoming more consistent, I guess, uh, especially in the last year. Uh, but I think COVID definitely disrupted kind of the you know consistency of those sort of events. Uh, yeah, so I was in my first and second year uh, when COVID hit in my second year. And I think in my first and second year, I came to what I knew about. It was always a nice opportunity to go to see friends. Um, so there, there were times when I would go and I'd uh, hear about all the different programs. To I actually attended a program recently. It just finished or it was related to Hillel called Onwards. Um, and so I would hear about those sort of programs and... I, I know, like, my older brother was also attending those Hillel events with me um, from McGill, and uh, so I, I went a little bit before. I don't think I went very regularly. I know that they did have some uh, more regular programming. Uh, that was something that I started doing more recently mm-hmm. this year. Um, if, you know, would you, is it what you would have imagined Hillel to have had for a well-rounded Hillel, or do you think that Hillel should be should have been doing much more programming, should have been doing well round more well-rounded programming, or um, were you actually overall like satisfied with what Hillel had offered over the past few years? I, I think I was pretty satisfied. Uh, it was it was a little like the reason I use like inconsistent is because uh, I, I it was hard to say like how many people would show up. It wasn't like it, there was a program every week. Uh, 
it was sort of like every once in a while I'd hear about something that was happening and then I would go and it was, it was nice. Um, I do think that they had a, a decent variety. So I don't, I don't know if you could say it wasn't very well-rounded. I think, I think it was pretty well-rounded. Um, but yeah, I think it was just, it wasn't, it wasn't the kind of thing that I like scheduled into my week and would go on this day at this time. Like, so that's, that's why it was sort of more in the back of my mind and like, yeah, I think that's kind of what I, kind of what I understood from like my brother and other university students that uh, were already going uh, to Yale. That that's sort of how it was. Yeah, um, David, the um, what was your experience like over the past uh, little while at Hillel? Sure. So I really, I, I will say, I'm. I guess I'm the kind of the voice of the outsider looking in in this conversation, um, just because my real only involvement with Hillel was the program that Roy was on. Um, over the summer uh, in, in, uh, onward uh, that I did um, in 2021. Uh, and then from there, my friend said, oh, there's a Jewish Life Committee. You, sh- you could sit on it. could be fun. Uh, so I went to that. I went, there was a Thanksgiving, uh, like Thanksgiving Hanukkah event that I went to. Um, that was pretty fun. Um, but I think like the, the two issues that uh, Abishai and Roy brought up respectively would I would say it would be pluralism and kind of acceptance of multiple different Jewish segments, I guess, and consistency. So I think like in terms, well, I'll, start, I'll touch on the consistency because the the pluralism element I think is a bit more uh, difficult. But I remember like when I was on the committee, uh, someone mentioned that um, you know Shabbat dinners like for the mod because ostensibly you know Chabad is Chabad. There was a family that did. Shabbat dinners for the kind of more modern, um, modern Jews. Uh, I forget the name. Reform Judaism. Um, they kind of had their own, um, their own stream. So it was really like Hillel was kind of the conservative stream. Um, so in ter- but in terms of Shabbat, like most people would kind of already go to Chabad or this other thing. So someone mentioned Chabdala uh, for Hillel to kind of do a Chabdala every week or something, and that was kind of met with a bit of pushback almost weirdly just in terms of like organizationally that it was too difficult or something uh people were mentioning it was too difficult to organize a, 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 a havdal every week yeah so i think that that would definitely have been a great opportunity and then from there um to create there was consistency cafe Yavrit, uh where people would kind of sit and speak with hebrew speakers and there were a bunch of great programs i guess that hillel kind of acted as an entrance way into like the high fellowship uh, which i did and onward um but i think the pluralistic element uh, which Abishai mentioned, which I think is super interesting, is that Hillel is kind of interestingly, I feel like at a lot of other universities, more of an um, umbrella organization to kind of bring in all Jews on campus, whereas at McGill, at least I can't speak on Concordia, um, but at McGill, it's very much kind of like the, almost like an Israel on campus with extra steps in that a lot of the events I noticed were like Israel-oriented, kind of Zionism-oriented, et cetera, et cetera, when during the, um, there was a referendum, um, a BDS referendum at the school and the kind of Hillel took the lead on that. Um, but I think that that in a way, like the, almost the focus towards Israel kind of excludes a lot of people who maybe have differing views on the conflict. Uh, it kind of, there aren't really enough then religious elements to get in the people who are kind of more religious there aren't really enough kind of, or like, for example, another event was suggested a movie night 
um, and a Jewish movie night, you know, you, you mentioned before uh, that like Jewish studies, poli-sci, marketing, you know, are all basically the same thing. But another thing that is basically the same thing as Jewish studies would be kind of like movies and music. And there's so much great Jewish culture that's been released, especially in North America. Um, and instead of saying, oh, well, let's watch Fiddler on the Roof, you know, a great movie night that surely would have gotten a lot of people involved. Or let's watch, you know, the Bar- Barbara Streisand or something like Funny Girl or something like Yentl. People, Yentl. any, any yeah. sort of film with Jewish content. It was like, oh, let's watch an Israeli film. Let's watch, uh, let's push for an Israeli film, which, you know, not dissing Israeli cinema, but I feel like you definitely would have gotten a lot more interest if you would have focused on like uh, North American Jewish films. So I feel like there's a weird, almost like, there's like there has to be some element of Israel or Zionism in every single event, which I feel like precludes it from being accepted by most of the the vast majority of the McGill Jewish community. Whereas on the other hand, something I noticed about Chabad is a lot of my friends who would be kind of stand on a different side for the conflict will go to Chabad because it's open not only to Jewish students or to, you know, Chabad uh, Jewish students, but it's open also to non-Jewish students. And there's a lot more of a community feel there, um, which is difficult to rep, which is, I think, able to exist because there's a focus on the religious element, on the community element, on the kind of spirituality element, on the sitting down, eating dinner, making friends, hanging out with people, you know, fostering a sense of, oh, this is my friend, this is my friend. Whereas at Hillel, it's a lot more like, well, here's this friend who's a really big supporter of Israel. Here's this person who's a really big supporter of Israel. And it's like Israel on everything, you know? So I feel like by making that the focus, you're excluding a lot of people um, from joining in and from non-Jews as well from participating, which I know is a big thing at the University of Ottawa. Uh, a lot of non-Jews like to participate in Hillel. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I, I got friends. It's They're doing a great job, but I feel like that might be kind of limiting the scope almost, as it were. So... The, the sense that I'm getting is you can be religiously pluralistic, meaning you can be orthodox and you can be uh, reform and nobody will go to you and say, well, you don't belong at Hillel if you don't keep Shabbat, right? Or you don't belong at Hillel if, uh, you know, kosher is not a thing for you. But if you don't have a specific view on Israel, you don't really feel welcome at Hillel anymore. And that actually turns off a lot of people. Yeah. And it's not really, and it's, you know, it's a pretty dogmatic view as well, I would say. One of the... Uh, Things that I heard about when I was uh, doing a lot of pre-interviews, I did a lot of uh, talking to students and former staff off the record um, for uh, this uh, for this whole story, and I kept hearing uh, this Maccabee task force. Have you guys heard of this thing at all? Avishai, you're nodding your head a little bit. Tell us, uh, what do you know about Maccabee task force and how it relates to Hillel? Sure, Mac- I'm, Maccabee task force is a Jewish organization connected to Israel, Israel advocacy, and they provide funding for... Hillel's in general. That's where a lot of their funding goes towards is Hillel. But generally, the funding that is that comes from Maccabee Task Force has to be connected to Israel in some way because that's the organization's mission. That's that's their funding priority. But not just Israel. It's you know very specific. The way that David was talking about a very specific form of pro-Israel advocacy, right? This it's uh, it was a program that was funded initially by Sheldon Adelson and. Uh, it has a fairly right-wing stance on Israel, and so you can get a whole bunch of funding for your Hillel, um, provided you use that funding for very like right-wing Israel Israel advocacy. Right. So I'm not sure exactly of their specific agenda, and I I don't think that they my understanding. Well, I'll call them on it. You don't have to. I'll obviously know Sheldon Adelson, and you know, and uh, his what, what he funds, what he did fund, I should say, what now is 
a state, I imagine, is funding. But in regards specifically to Maccabee Tennis Sports, I don't know precisely what their agenda is, so I, I couldn't comment on mm-hmm. you know, exactly how that's being directed. Sure. Um, but you, one could imagine, and I can ask all of you guys, if, if uh, Ahillel was getting a lot of funds from Maccabee Task Force, you would inevitably likely end up seeing the result of this being very Israel-oriented, pro-Israel-oriented uh, programming, not to say that people on the left are not pro-Israel, um, but in a, in a very right-wing direction, that this would color the nature of Hillel. Um, and I, uh, you know, th- there, there is a public record about Hillel Montreal having received some significant funds for from the Maccabee Task Force, um, so it's possible. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to entirely speculate. I don't know exactly, but, but there could be a correlation between what David is saying and what uh, Maccabee Task Force is providing to Hill in Montreal. Yeah, and I, I, you know, I don't know, you know all the details about the finances, but for sure, if money coming from Maccabee Task Force, then there will certainly be, almost certainly, be some sort of association between those, between the use of those funds and promoting mm-hmm. Israel. Not that, and again, just to clarify, I don't think promoting Israel is a bad thing, not at all, but that those funds uh, yeah, would be used for that. One of the things that I had heard about that was that if you had an Israel program, there was always funding available, whether it's through uh, GenMTL, through Maccabee Task Force or things like that, or through Sija. And yet if you wanted to do like a Shabbat dinner or any other sort of program, uh, you'd be told, well, we have to run it through Federation um, because it's all centralized now and it would take a very long time. It would take, uh, it would be very difficult to get the funds and or uh, we would not get the funds at all uh, to begin with. So marketing, what, marketing is another example of something over the past few years that's certainly been difficult, though I'm very happy to say I think that's an area where we have made a lot of improvement, like with many things to work on, but absolutely, um, I think we're certainly going in the right direction, and it's, it's definitely easier to market things and get the word out more quickly and uh, in a more efficient way. So none of you were around for the transition in 2017, right, to... Uh... Uh, to to Hillel, did you have you heard anything about that transition from the way things were before and the way things were since, from previous students or not? No, the transition to federation. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I don't. I, I've heard about the in the past. I've heard about, about the transition and a bit about why it occurred. I honestly don't remember everything. It's, it's been a while since I was going to tell you more That's about fine. it. But don't worry about it. Um, it is quite an interesting model. I'll say I don't know of any other Hillel in the world that's under a federation in the way that Hillel Montreal is. Perhaps there is one. I don't know of it. Generally, my understanding is that Hillel's, like most Jewish organizations in North America, whether it's a synagogue, schools, Jewish family services, all any social organizations, all things like that, they'll receive money from federation. They're a beneficiary either general operating grants or grants that are directed towards specific programs, but they're not directly a part of federation. Federation usually is just a funder to Jewish organizations. One of the other things that I find that's unique um, to Hillel Montreal, and from what I've heard, again, from other people that I'd spoken to and from knowing uh, many, many other Hillels and having been around and worked at Hillels and uh, been at Hillel Montreal in the past, is that there hasn't really been a Jewish educator on staff for a very long time. Um, Is there any experience that you have about that, that like somebody actually a professional uh, Jew, a rabbi, a somebody who is around as an educator. Um, do you think that, I mean, is that, that's the fact on the ground, that that is the case. Is there, has that affected, Rowie, do you know, uh, how has that affected 
Jewish life on campus when you don't have a campus rabbi uh, of any denomination. So there are staff that are generally dedicated to programming and running programming. So that does exist. And even on a campus level, um, you know, it's, it is hard, I think, particularly with an organization like Hillel, to retain staff. So there's turnover, and you know that could be a reason that maybe students aren't always so familiar with the staff. But there are staff who do work with them. So what you're saying is, is that there's part of the issue here is that there's not it's very difficult to have staff retention, and therefore students don't get to know a lot of the staff as a result of that. Right, that could be part of the reason. Also, of course, again, you know, I think we're a unique group almost the entire student body at this point and that we have not had a normal experience even this past year was much more normal than the past year and a half before that but we're we still are not interacting with with other students with other people staff whatever it may be in the same way that you generally that you, you know we would have seen before this time period and hopefully again going forward into the future so that also could reason that maybe you wouldn't be as familiar with the staff just the opportunities weren't there um but yeah and then you know and as i said staff retention i'm not sure if that's a problem that's particularly pronounced with hill with hill in montreal i think it's also something that you just see in general at hill House because that's the nature of that type of organization certainly in the lower level positions at hill yes yeah, so what would be the wish list that you would have um and what would it be like for you to have, say that this is a great Hillel, this is a Hillel that I feel welcome to, this is when Hillel is saying over the, the course of this coming summer uh, and this coming fall, we are back and we're better than ever. What would a great Hillel look like? Uh, what would be that wish list where you would say, yes, they clearly have done it about face and, I, and I'm glad to see where they're at? Well, yeah, I think it's definitely um, hard to have like a consistent like Jewish, I keep using the word consistent because it's like, um, I, I just compare this to like what Chabad is like. Chabad has a rabbi and a rebbitzin, and every week they have the same, you know, dinner, and then they have a, you know, Shabbat prayers the next day, and it's it's like you know you know it's gonna happen, but um, there's there's no one who's like yeah, there's no one who's like organized. And as a student, your life is is around consistency, right? It's classes are the same time every week, the same thing. You you want that? Yeah, yeah. So it's. It's definitely it's it's much harder to organize um, something like that that's gonna be you know have a good turnout and everything when there's no one who's really assigned to it directly. So um, I, I I don't know exactly like who um, runs all the programs and who's in charge of everything, but uh, it it seems like overall not just in like the Jewish sense, but there's no one who's like that's their job and like that's. That's what they do. Like every week, this is what they work on. Like, yeah, there's the like student councils, but they're students. They're they're busy. They have other things to do. And so, so what you're saying is that there's not even a. I was speaking specifically to like religious life, but you're talking even about programming life. So there's not even a, a, a professional program staff on campus or even off campus to do the programming consistently every week. I know there are definitely people who are at a higher level in Hillel. I I don't know. Abishai can definitely jump in here because he was more, um, uh, you know connected with like the board and everything. well it would be fair to say that if, if you're a student and you don't know who the programming staff is then that's just as much a problem yeah. right yeah so <laughs> I, I guess i guess like i i knew who like the um hillel concordia president was hillel mcgill president was and like those those were students um and they they did a good job of organizing different programs and like uh 
you know, that, that was great and all, but uh, some place, places like Chabad, they had, they had a president as well. And then they also, in addition to that, they had the, like the rabbi and the rebbitzin. Um, and they, they were, that was, that was what they were in charge of. Like that was their, their job. So um, not having that in Hillel. And I, I have met people who were, I, I, I think they're involved in the Federation and sometimes they would come to events. I, I didn't fully know what their position was. Um, but I, I just didn't see it as like the same thing. Uh, so that's, that's sort of what the difference was for me, a big right. difference at least. I would say in general, things related to Jewish life. Um, I've actually been the VP Jewish life for the past year, so perhaps a little bit of this is on me as well. <laughs> Maybe I could have done more too. Um, but I think, yeah, just like a more well-rounded uh, Jewish life for, for provided for, uh, for the students, um, especially maybe more around holidays, um, particularly around Shabbat, of course. So something, as you know, really mentioned that we started doing this year actually was doing Havdalah, trying to make it consistent so we could get students, you know, get, get people to know this is happening every other week or whatever it was going to be, something that we started achieving. And, you know, so we, that, that was something they started working on. Um, but really, yeah, more around Jewish life. So like they said, more Shabbat dinners would really be great. And then not just... Not just presenters, but also beforehand, Kabbalah Shabbat. I think we're, we're when we do it, even which is not so often, but the only we're the only Jewish group at the moment that I know of providing like a full egalitarian Kabbalah Shabbat or really a davening of any sort, ambiguous with any sort, even if it's at this point not so regular happening at all, um, Amigil. I think that's something that's really important that we should try to make happen more often. Uh, you know, as we were talking before, bigger halos, you often see there'll be like Orthodox, Conservative, Reform, uh, Minion, or Kablashbad or whatever. And to get there, uh, uh, you know, someday that would be amazing. But who knows if we even have the right amount of people for that and sm- small steps. If I may editorialize to that, I mean, if at this point we can say Chabad is taking care of the Orthodox students on campus and not to say that we're going to give up, but if you're going to devote your energy, work on it for a group that isn't necessarily being represented. And that would be liberal Judaism, right? Egalitarian Judaism, uh, reform Judaism. I understand that. I mean, this is actually something that I heard from a while ago from multiple people that on McGill, which is another Jewish student group had been formed because Hillel wasn't doing anything for them as liberal Jews. And they decided to go and just form their own group. Um, so what you would like to see is more well-rounded um, and uh, religiously religious life. Yeah, exactly. I really would. I do think that we're working towards making it happen. I don't know what the next year will look like, what the next year will look like, but definitely something that we're communicating to the Hillel staff and Federation staff. And I think we're getting somewhere with that. And hopefully, you know, that will happen this year. Another thing, if it's already, can I, I, I just want to mention this. Because this is something uh, that I, I I would love to share with everyone who's listening to this. This is not connected to Hillel, but just talking about what we can, more we can see for Jewish life in McGill. A few years ago, a friend and I, along with the Chabad rabbi uh, and Robinson, started the first ever kosher meal plan at McGill. And we were also working with the executive chef. Unfortunately, this was right at the beginning of COVID. Started right before, actually. We had it up for two weeks, and then it, you know we all left for COVID, and it basically collapsed. And we've been trying for, like the past, seriously trying, I guess, again to revive it for the past year. Very little luck, and we thought we were getting somewhere, and then we weren't. And then it keeps 
seemingly like we're going to get somewhere and then we're not. So this is another really great initiative that's helping Jewish students at McGill. So again, if anyone is listening to this um, and you have some connections or have some, uh, you know, in with McGill, please let them know that the Jewish students need kosher food and we're having a very hard time getting through. So please mention Well, I'll tell you, when I was a student, uh, the turn of the millennium, uh, I was a student at Concordia from 98 to, to 02, and uh, the Hillel on Stanley had a kosher meal plan run out of the uh, cafe slash restaurant that was there. Um, and there were residents that lived there, and uh, but you didn't have to be part of that residence uh, in order to be part of the meal plan, and they had a cafe, and uh, Hillel definitely had that for quite a while. So the way that our meal plan works is it's actually through McGill. You use the money that you've already paid that you have to, it's the mandatory meal plan. Yeah, exactly, the same sort of idea. Yeah. But the food is, you pick up and eat the food in RVC, which is the biggest McGill cafeteria. So you eat with your friends, you are not eating kosher food, which is the great part about it. And again, we're really hoping... Well, you're eating kosher food, but you're just not eating it only at the kosher space. Exactly. You're eating kosher food alongside your friends or whoever social you, with everybody. Who are, who are not who are eating the regular food. Um and it was a really great program, great thing we had going. We're really struggling to get it going again, unfortunately. So that's another priority for this year. Do you think a, a Jewish educator having a rabbi on campus would be a priority? I know Avishai is a, it's a leading question for you because you're the son of a rabbi, but uh, <laughs> I imagine that that's probably on your wish list as well to have a Jewish educator or a rabbi on campus of any denomination. Totally. And again, that's another thing you see the Hillel's, you know, it's a pretty common Hillel position, Jewish educator. And I certainly think that can make a very positive impact. Excellent. Well, David, you're going to wrap things up for us. What's on your wish list for a Jewish life to make Hillel turn around? I wrote three things um, that I think would be massive to helping Hillel succeed. Uh, I think number one is a greater sense of identity. Because right now, I think, you know, uh, you've got Israel on campus for Israel. You've got Chabad for the religious aspects. And even you were mentioning Orthodox. Like, I mean, I'm a conservative Jew. Abishai's dad is my rabbi. Uh, like, I'm a conservative Jew. I know a lot of conservative Jews, a lot of reformed Jews, a lot of even non-Jews who go to Chabad for, like, the Jewish religious experience. I think Hillel, if they carved out a niche as the cultural experience with hints of both, as you were saying, I mean, boom, immediately that's a reason to go on campus. Like, the one event that I was really sad about that I couldn't go to uh, was there was an open mic. And I mean, you know, what's, what do Jews do better than comedy? than like music or whatever. And that those kind of events are the kind of events that like would get me excited to go to a Hillel uh, event, the, the cultural, the almost ethnic aspects of it. Um, so that's number one is a sense of identity. Number two is in its current form. I mean, we can talk all we want about how it's difficult with them connected to Sija and whatever. But being able to, like the idea of the high fellowship and, you know, it was pretty cool uh, to do. There were a lot of cool connections that arose out of that. Um, and I think just being, you're connected to this huge federation, you're connected to all these other organizations. Hillel should be advertising these programs and getting people involved through Hillel by proxy by saying, well, listen, if you come with us, like there's this Sija event that's happening, we can get you into. There's this federation event that's happening. There's this cool thing that's happening, that cool thing that's happening. And use its connections to advertise the Montreal Jewish community. Um, because as it stands, it's centralized. Like there isn't a, like McGill and Hill and Concordia Hillel are the same thing right now. Um, basically, like all the events are McGill plus Concordia, really. I mean, so, you know, it, use that, that centralized network to reach out almost like a spider 
you know, what are all the cool things happening in Montreal? Is there something happening in Hochelaga? Is there like a Leonard Cohen festival, whatever? You know, um, the third thing I think is, and this is why, I mean, I, once again, I could be better uh, at going to these Jewish events myself. I will acknowledge that. But a friendly face. Because when you go to Chabad, I mean, you're in a, even if you're sitting by yourself and you don't know anyone at your table, first of all, you'll always know someone at your, at your table. But, the, but even if you don't know someone at your table, there's someone to talk to. There's a conversation happening. You walk in. You talk to Shmuley even for Shmuley for a bit, and it's a lovely conversation. Shmuley is Rabbi Weiss, the rabbi at the McGill Hillel. He's fantastic. At the at the barbecue I went to, um, there was you know there were people to talk to, but it wasn't as much of a you know natural conversation. There was kind of because there were so many people like from Concordia, from McGill, from this walk of life, from that walk of life. There wasn't really you know a lot of conversation. And if if I'm allowed to just say. Um, John Levine used to work for Hillel and he was such a good friendly face. Like he, you walked in, he'd come up to you immediately. You feel like you're at home, like you're talking to someone. He's since moved on, um, to, you know, to other things. Um, but having someone like that was, is so good. I mean, Avishai, a very friendly face. Um, Avia, who was also on that committee, a very friendly face, you know, my, one of my good friends, I've got a few friends now who are on the executive bench. They were all very friendly, but like there isn't, but despite that, when you walk in, you're kind of struck by, Oh, this kind of, is this house haunted? What's happening in this house? You know, it's well, kind of, you're mentioning the students, right? The students are friendly faces, but there's no staff. There's no people that are consistently there that, that their job is to be the friendly face the way that you have at Chabad. Yeah, There's no warmth is what you're you saying. Know, you kind of walk in and it's like an industrial <laughs> okay. thing and you're like, oh, okay well, uh, maybe I'll go in here, maybe I'll go in there. Like, where are the people? Well, uh, this has been really enlightening. Thank you all uh, for coming on. And uh, maybe we'll have you on in a little bit uh, to see how this transition has uh, shifted, if Hillel is actually uh, following through and where things are going, or if there's any other student uh, stories that are on, we'd love to have you back on. So uh, Avishai, David, Rui, uh, thank you for coming on. Bonjour, hi. Thank you. Can I add one more thing? That's right. Please, go ahead. I just want to say as well that I... I think Chabad as well is a great organization. They do great stuff. Uh, they've been, you know, huge in my time in McGill. As pretty, of course, as a Jewish student, I, I don't know what I would do without them. Honestly, they do so much, um, and I don't wish to take away from them at all. So, I, I think we've got thousands of Jewish students in McGill, and ideally, I would love to see both Hillel and Chabad, of course, as two very strong Jewish organizations doing what they both do best. So. That is definitely what I would like to see. This is not a zero-sum game. It's not one person has one group has to win for the other group to lose. We want that ecosystem that is diverse. We want Chabad. We want Hillel. We want Am Miguel. We want the Ghetto Shoal, which, by the way, I was one of the uh, founders of um, in the early, early, early years. I was there that the first year and for the first several years of that. Um, we want all those places because, you know, the more groups you have, the more robust uh, programming, the more life you have uh, on campus and everything's going to rise as a result of that. So it's not to the negation of other groups, but, um, but Hillel being the international organization for Jewish students um, shouldn't be in a place where, where they're dropping the ball is what it sounds like for, from our end. So again, uh, Avishai, uh, David, Rui, thank you all for coming and uh, come on again anytime. Thank you. So what do you guys think? I think the question that just jumped out to me is I didn't even know there were non-Jews who wanted to be a part of either Hillel or Chabad. Who are these folks? I've heard really weird stories about this from people I know that went to Hillel in Montreal and people who would just show up and they were like, 
kind of like how people say they're Anglophiles when they like England. They were kind of like Jewophiles and they just show up and they sit there. I heard, which sounds weird to me, and I've heard some people who are from other ethnic minority groups who didn't really have necessarily a place that they felt they could meet up with their friends and they liked getting like the free meal and they would just show up and they were like, everyone's so nice to me. I think it's bizarre, but I've never witnessed it. Avi, what do you know of this? I I have never either. Uh, when I was a student, I did not see any of that as uh, firsthand. This was not part of the experience of being at Hillel or being around Chabad uh, around then. Um, and I have heard this from other students as well. Um, I didn't ham- I didn't go into this point because um, it seemed a little bizarre and not super relevant to what we were talking about. But yeah, I, I think that that is a little strange that I'm not opposed to Hillel offering a free meal or Chabad offering a free meal every once in a while to like somebody who might need a meal or somebody who is a Judeophile in some way or another. But but there is something a little strange um, about that part of it. Um, yeah, I don't know. David, what was your experience at, as a student uh, on campus in general? I mean, as a Jewish student, I tried to stay far away from anything Jewish as possible when I was at Concordia um, in the aughts, in the 2008 to 2011 era at Concordia. I just, I didn't want to. After spending 11 years in a Jewish institution, I wanted to get as far away as possible. So I, I, I divorced myself from all that. I didn't know what Hillel was up to. I never cared to know. Um And I think only in later life do you want to embrace these things. So I just think it's like this cool factor that Jewish kids probably want to stay away from anything organizational Jewish. Well, it depends on what what kind of person you are. I I feel I don't know if it's the same for you because you and I are both in in the same field. But for me, I didn't go to university, but there was a hello on campus at John Abbott College where I went to CJEP. First of all, I was way too busy with theater school. It's extreme. It's extremely intensive. So I didn't really have time for anything other than my studies. But even if I had, I also felt kind of similarly where I had been in this bubble for so long and I really wanted to meet people from other cultures and kind of felt turned off by like the mainstream like style of Jewish organization. Um, So to me, actually, the people that were cool in high school were going to things like that and were very involved. And the people who were like, now what might be considered cool because apparently being nerdy or or artsy is is like hip now so wait you're calling yourself cool right now alana sure let's go for it (laughs) no but 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 (laughs) i I think that there was you know the perception of what was cool in high school is really different now that i'm in a different community um and i agree with you that now i'm like oh i kind of wish i'd gone to university because i could have made you know all these connections that would be my, maybe become like my lifelong friends. Um, and I have to find that in my own way now. I feel like I missed out on something big. So you talked about connections and I'm just wondering, do you think that's like the motivation for a lot of these young Jews rather than getting into the religious aspect, the spiritual, the community building? Do you think some of these kids are thinking, hey, this is a great way as a stepping stone to build portfolios and meet people in my fellow community? I think it's I think it's everything. I think that that's the beauty of a well-functioning Hillel community on uh, a campus anywhere in North America is that whatever however you want to plug into your Judaism, you will find something at Hillel. If your Hillel if your Judaism is Israel activism, you will find Israel activism. If your Hillel if your Judaism is 
purely spiritual and religious, you will find access to kosher food and services of whatever denomination you uh, want to be part of. If your Hillel is purely like networking, you're going to go and find the other business students and commerce students to go and network with. And if your Hillel is purely just social and making new friends and finding somebody to date that's Jewish, or not, as the case may be, apparently, <laughs> there should be a place for you at Hillel for any of those spaces. And it to me, that's the biggest shame was that when I was at Hillel, you know, I was at Concordia, I was president of Concordia Hillel. There was a lot of politics on campus. Um, I was very involved in Do- at Dawson at Hillel. I was very involved at Concordia. And as they had said before, Hillel, Concordia and, and McGill were fairly close and unified together, even though we had separate you know, constitution, charters, whatever you want to call it. We were separate organizations, even though we're under the umbrella of Hillel. We all felt close together and it was vibrant. It was really a place where you can go and just hang out for the afternoon. You would see people, you would meet people, you had networking opportunities, you had social opportunities, you had Shabbat opportunities, you had Israel opportunities, and everything was there for us. And it was it was really a cornerstone of my Jewish student life or of my student life in general. Um, remember that for me, coming from a very religious high school, going to Hillel was actually me meeting new cultures, right? It was different in that sense. And like, I have to say that coming back to Montreal um, nine years ago, one of the things that I noticed was, and we all know this, that Montreal is filled with people who are best friends since elementary school and, and nobody needs necessarily like new friends. And my friends from high school were all like from yeshiva, were all elsewhere for the most part and were different communities and we were not really in the same social circles. And I ended up really reconnecting with a lot of people that I knew from university right, from my Hillel life, because those were people that I knew from before, and I didn't have the high school friends to, to rely on to, to create, to recreate that social circle. So there is a lot of value to the social aspect of Hillel. There's a lot of value to all the other pieces. It's a lot of who I am as a Jew, what is because of Hillel, because I would meet people who were conservative, and they were observantly conservative. And I would say to myself, well, I can't say that this person is bad because they, they really, they're well-intentioned and orthodoxy that I had grown up in was basically saying, if you don't believe in what we believe in, then you're wrong. And I was like, these people can't be wrong. And that really shaped a lot of my pluralism um, as, as a Jew. Right. That's what really, that's what really stood out to me from the interview was the pluralism comment that one of the guys made about that was what was lacking on, uh, on campus with Hillel. Um, so as someone who worked for Hillel and listening to this, what do you think the solution is? Well, I never worked for Hillel. I was never an employee of Hillel. I was a student leader. But um, <laughs> ah, okay. I don't know the distinction since I wasn't. Meaning, there's student of this. leaders and then there's professionals. Um, to me, gotcha. it sounds like there's, and again, it could be no fault of Hillel's own, but there's a budget crisis. It seems like they don't have money to like do stuff. I, I'm purely speculating here, or I'm hearing little bits and pieces from some of my pre-reporting. Because like I said, I did extensive reporting for this before I had these these students on that led me to think that this is actually a valuable story. Is it a COVID? Is it a COVID budget? No, I think that there was like pre, pre. and I think that COVID is not an excuse either. And I know we didn't talk too much about COVID, you know, in the interviews, but school went on. The students got to know who their teachers were. To say to themselves that for two years, Hill was absent because of COVID is not an excuse to me. Um, when, When budget should be nothing, buy a professional Zoom account and then Hill can do cool stuff for two years. If you're technically a student at McGill, come meet other students, do stuff, right? People were creative with Zoom, especially in the first year when Zoom was a novel thing. Um, stuff was happening. And for Hill to drop the ball in this way, I think is, is egregious. And I think that 
Um, I really hope that they are building back better, uh, to borrow a term from our neighbors to the so south. So I'll just jump in because I think one other thing that stood out for me was sort of the the division and the silo nature of Hillel is over here and Chabad is over here and you've got the other different organizations. And I'm just wondering if, if they were brought under one group, if that would attract people, people who are of different religious backgrounds, people who have different political persuasions. If it's one organization operating all of these things, would that help or would it hinder what people want to achieve and what people uh, get benefit from these organizations? I don't know. I like the the guarded nature where there's a whole bunch of different organizations that are aware of each other and sometimes work together, but don't always because um, if you bring them all together, then you're centralizing and then you start having issues of who's in charge and what's this and uh, what type, what's our message. And I like the fact that Chabad has a certain message and Hill has a certain message and Am McGill has a certain message and Ghetto Shul has a certain message, although they have a new name for that. I don't even remember. Um, but anyways... I like that idea that those different organizations are there. I just think that even within Hillel, you need that pluralism. You need that multiplicity of voices um, that you want to talk about within that central Hillel organization. If Hillel is strong in every other place in North America because of what you're saying, David, then let the other organizations grow and be their thing and within Hillel have that pluralism. There just might not be enough room. There might just not be enough students. And I just worry that it becomes saturated one day. I think over here where I live, where you've got, you know, you've got the... Uh, the reform movement and the conservative movement with the young initiative and everyone is trying to lure and get these young groups organized together but then it just becomes it becomes the same and I just think we need a bit more unity uh, under one house sure but we're not talking about Calgary here where there's really very few Jews, right? We're talking about Montreal, where there are a lot of Jewish students on campus. There are a lot of international people that come to Miguel. Um, and for those people to know that there's everything but Hillel seems a little strange mm. to me. Fair. But yes, I do think that people should be playing nicely together. Um, yeah, so we should uh, make sure to note that we did reach out to Hillel for this episode. And while they were unable to comment in time for this week's show, they did promise to follow up for a future episode. So we hope to hear back from Hillel about um, what we've been talking about. We would also love to hear what you think, of course. And you can email us at bonjour at thecjn.ca to let us know your thoughts. Now it's the time in our show where we talk about our Nachas of the Week, that thing that made us feel good and Jewish over the past uh, week or so. David, what's your Nachas this week? This is coming hot off the press from the Alberta Jewish News. Uh, my Nachas goes to Duncan Taylor and his father. And I think I need to back up a little bit first. So there's a mountain right on the BC-Alberta border named in honor of Henri-Philippe Pétain. And to people who know Pétain, he was a hero in World War I, but he also teamed up with the Vichy Nazi government in France in World War II. And after the war, Pétain was convicted of treason and found partially responsible for the murder of 76,000 Jews. So Duncan Taylor pushed to get the mountain renamed in honor of his late father, who would take him on hikes to this particular trail. And in 2020, the BC Geographical Society received a request from this concerned citizen to rescind the name of Mount Pétain, Pétain Creek, and Pétain Glacier. The vote finally went through. It was changed uh, with the vote of 11 to 4, but, but one of the no votes... A council person said that renaming the landmark would be a victory for cancel culture and destroying history. And this is what this individual counselor said. You take the name away from the mountain and in like 10 years, they won't know he was a bad guy. I personally think that you take uh, the name away from the mountain and it won't be named after a literal freaking Nazi. I, I, I agree. 
Amen. Alana, what's your nachos this week? So, uh, changing gears, it seems like every time David has a nachos that's like really intense and serious, mine's like really superfluous. Um, I just finished watching uh, the new season of Stranger Things, and I wanted to shout out our producer Michael Freeman's article in the CJN from 2016 about what makes Stranger Things so Jewish, because it really is. Um, not only just the cast and the producers, but, you know, certain themes, and I, I very much enjoyed this season. Um Check it out if you haven't already. Uh, it's a great show, and you can find it on Netflix. Is Stranger Things, uh, should that be my summer binge? Is that it? I haven't watched a single episode. Yes. Do it. Done. Okay. Well, for my nachos, I'm going to hand over the reins uh, for this week to Nadiva Feingold, uh, who's going to share with us her nachos for this week. So my nachos for this week, or probably like the past two weeks, is um, it's about this really amazing book that I love from PJ Arwe called Roller Coaster Grandma by Dr. Ruth K. West, is that how I say it? Westheimer. Westheimer and Pierre A. Lehu. And it's about how her life about um, when she was um, in the war and moving to Israel. And I love how it goes back and forth of she's taking her grandchildren to a, I think it was an amusement park. And, like, um, she says, oh, that's not that scary. I got through much scarier things in my life. And it goes, like, flashbacks. And I think it's really amazing to see what she would do to get, like, an education and how she could do all this stuff. And at just the height of four foot seven, when I am also very short. And I think it's a great book, and you should definitely try and check it out. And it is um, amazing great read and um i definitely recommend it and also shout out to my abba for turning 45 tomorrow <gasps> happy birthday oh, almost happy birthday avi N- nadiva wait i want to know do you do you like roller coasters do you ride them um i uh, think they're a little too scary for me i think i'm gonna have to wait till i'm a little older to not chicken out when i'm literally just about to go on them to go because i'm too scared right now fair enough i get you i was the same way Thank you for listening to Bonjour Chai for the week of July 22nd, Shabbat Parashat Pinchas. Our producer is Michael Freeman. Technical production is by Andre Goulet. Our music is by So Called. We are a project of the Jewish Living Lab and are distributed by the CJN Podcast Network. You can listen to all our past episodes on our new page at the cjn.ca slash bonjour, and you can subscribe to the podcast and automatically receive all episodes on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you like Bonjour Chai, please help us to grow the Frozen Chosen community by telling a friend about us and getting them to subscribe. And as always, you can email us with comments at bonjour at thecjn.ca. I'm Avi Feingold. I'm Ilana Zakon. And I'm David Sklar. Can we do a bit at the end where David yes. makes up the song? This is our did. closing music, David. <laughs> oh, shit. Ago. Here we go. Do it, do it. The hills are alive. With no, no, the, the Hillels. Oh, Hillels. Sorry, my fault. Bad. The Hillels are alive with the sound of David's wedding music. A sound they have sung for a thousand years. Hopefully it will last that long, John. Mazel tov.